0: our thoughts about parenting and ministry. So we scribbled some of our thoughts down together, shared it, and after a was oh, we've got to get you to do that at the conference too. So that's how I landed up here, I didn't like. Oh. Uh, so I, when I think about parenting and ministry, I think about four uh, big ideas. Parenting and ministry, four big ideas. The first one is parenting as, number one, God's ministry to us. Oh, one more thing, huge disclaimer, my oldest kid is nice, so if you've got kids that are teenagers, what can I possibly teach you? <laughs> Nothing really, <laughs> uh, but I have asked Steve to just start scrambling, that's Steve, <laughs> to start scrambling some of these thoughts together about parenting uh, teens um, in the context of ministry. And you'll have a little bit of discussion time later, so you'll be able to go beyond the scope of what I'm about to share with you guys. Okay. If you want to leave now, totally won't be offended. There could be something far more interesting and useful to you out there. So parenting is God's ministry uh, to us. I think that probably is the most important point that I'm going to say today is that parenting is God's way of parenting us. Parenting is God's way of uh parenting us. And a couple thoughts around this idea that we have kids and God goes, ah. I've got, I've got a ministry to you, and, and these kids are actually the opportunity I've been looking for in your life. Uh, at first, it's an opportunity for just good old fashioned hardship. <laughs> and Stephen Ryan said that outstanding talk. Everything is going wrong, everything is going right. It's probably the most helpful theological thing to say to parents because when you're parenting kids, a lot of the time, everything is going wrong. (laughs) It's just amazing how many things can go wrong. Uh, Hebrews 12 says, "Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not not disciplined by their father, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, I don't know, when they leave home, uh, when later on is, uh, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Um, the, my first blog I ever wrote is I like just spilled my guts on how hard parenting was. It just seemed everybody was so sprightly about parenting, and Julia and I were so shocked by the utter hardship of this experience. We were like, <coughs> so I put it out there, and I, the feedback I got is like, thank you, I'm not alone. <laughs> and that's actually what got me to start the blog, because like, I just thought, oh, I'll find a space here. Um, but the thing about the, the physical hardship, especially of parenting little kids, I think it's, it, there's a different kind of hardship as they get older. You know, my grandmom always says, we've got little problems now, but one day they're going to be big problems. uh, But but certainly little kids, there's the physical exhaustion, sleeplessness and sickness, financial strain, um, you know, the skyrocketing cost of food, medicine, accessories, new car we had to do, we had to get a new home to fit our kids in. uh, The monthly experiences of sinking, uh, when there's more money at the end of your money. (laughs) Especially child rearing calls for a transition from dink. Double income, no kids. Ah, oh, remember those days. No <laughs> income, no kids. Too sick, single income, no cash. <laughs> and then the, the marital strain. Which I remember years ago, Steve from Ryan. I mean, you, you had kids, that's probably what you were getting at. You said, Guys, those of you married, have sex as much as you can, because one day, you won't be able to have as much For huh? me. Uh, me and GD, we. but my goodness, amazing how. In parenting comes how uh, you can have far less sex. My kid has been traumatized recently to discover that Julian I uh, have sex. And he, he, he knew that it was a necessary evil to produce kids, but when he found out that some people still do it for fun, after they make kids, I then to work out, Mom and Dad, I, I, he, he got into a fetal position in his room, <laughs> I could not lie, and started rocking. <laughs> and then I came to him, and I tried to, you know, yeah, yeah, I tried to pick him up and uh, help him to regain his sense, and he said, go away, I'm I'm having horrible pictures of you! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The social strain. Oh, remember those years, Julie and I just building relationships, building relationships, building relationships, relationships then kids, and you just got no capacity, it seems. At best, you can maintain some friendships, and you watch others just go backwards. Uh... There's the professional strain. When home is stressful, we bring the bluntest version of ourselves to work. Mm-hmm. I, find, I remember just this week thinking, like, you, to get five kids to school, and by the time I drop them off, now I've got to start my day, and I yeah. feel quite emotional because I've been so rattled. I mean, that surely can't be good, to, to go to your work for the rattled position. The, 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 <laughs> the, <battle. laughs> the, the spiritual strain. I remember just long quiet times. I don't know, they've just been knocked out for a six, you know, you've got to get everybody going. And um, actually, a lot of my quiet times now are reading the Bible with my kids at night. I'm <laughs> like, oh God, yes, I'm feeling all this, I need more than two Logistical strain, the emotional strain. Parents feel bedraggled, empty, discouraged, frustrated, overwhelmed, inadequate. And then, of course, our kids uh, are not very good at containing their negative emotions. And unless you're made of, like <coughs> metal and plastic, you tend to absorb the emotions of people around you. If everybody could just be self-contained emotional units. So all of the strain comes. And probably the best thing to do is to remember exactly what we God uses all things. And actually, the, the lion's share of what we're doing with our lives. And the parenting is, is parenting. Yeah, God is using parenting <laughs> to make us more like Jesus. Of course, it's his ministry to us because of some of his greatest blessings. I mean, so it says, some 127, children are heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Mm. Uh, white South Africans don't know this. I, mean, they, 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 I remember Julie telling somebody, oh, I'm pregnant with twins, friend of Saul. I'm, like, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a terrible thing that's happened to you. Good <laughs> uh, when I think about my black South African friends. They all. You are so blessed. Mm -hmm. And actually, that will use closer to the biblical one. Um, (laughs) And then there's the vulnerability. God really likes to put us in a, a vulnerable place. Some of the best things that are happening in us happening in our lives, happen through vulnerability. I love Psalm Isaiah 40, verse 11. It says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. We know God's love, like we heard now, for little children. But listen to this. And he gently leads those that are young. There's a tenderness in God towards parents of of children. We're in a vulnerable place. And yes, of course, we need good self-leadership and God, you know, is on our case for Christ' likeness. We must remember there is a special compassion in the Father's heart towards parents. And uh, it does bring us to our knees. Oh, God, provide. Oh, God, please help Eli today. He's really struggling with these relationships. And then parents of teenagers tell me there's a whole new level of vulnerability. (laughs) At least your problems are in the house. Now your kids are out there and you're like, all you can do is pray. All you can do is pray. And then discovering the Father's heart. I remember the very night Eli was born going home and crying because nobody had told me this would happen, but I felt the father being born in me. Yeah. Sure. Right. And, and then that feeling, that connection to the father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, being a father, you know, having a father gives you a connection to a father, but being a father gives you another kind yeah. of connection to the father. And the amount of times God's spoken to me through my own parenting of my kids. So, this parenting is God's ministry to you us. Know, it's one of the most precious aspects of parenting that God would capitalize upon this huge aspect of our lives and he would minister to us. His kindness and his sanctification and his blessing and his tenderness and his closeness. Uh, then, the second thing I want to speak about is parenting as our ministry. To, uh, to church and city. Okay, so now this is what I mean by ministry. So so think about to church. Julian, and I planted a church or a congregation in common ground. This is a like kind of a, a multi-congregational model. And uh, as we just had our first kid, I remember thinking, God, this is the worst time to take on, you know, you should have gotten me to do this a few years ago. I had so much more capacity. I'm a broken man. And, uh, and if, but the genius of, of it, because, because one, we planted in a family-rich area. Immediately, families started arriving, other bedraggled-looking people arrived. <laughs> and, uh, and with their kids. With, with, with their kids. And, uh, and it's amazing how people look at a parent. And you, you, there's a different grace upon a parent, I think. Yes, I'm not saying single people that can't have a fatherly I mean, look at Jesus, look at the Apostle Paul. But certainly in my experience, something was upgraded. There was a fatherliness about my ministry to people. Just people looked at you different, and there was a different grace upon my life. My preaching, I find my opening angle in every single sermon just told the people something cute my kids said this week. And I find whether I was speaking to very trendy, 20 somethings in the city. Or, you know, people of all ages, just everybody loved the dad speaking about the cute kid, you know, said something. I mean, I just remember a week ago, little Ivy, uh, we took her to a wedding. And uh, the night before, she knew the wedding was coming and she she woke up in the night and went, disgusting, disgusting. And we all woke up and all packed in this room, you know, near the wedding venue. And we said, well, what's wrong, Ivy? She says, they mustn't kiss tomorrow. <laughs> Dang. So she you know sort dreamy woke up and telling us and no, that's what couples do, they kiss Ivy. She says I know they meant to swap their spit. Why can't they just spit on their hands and shake them? <laughs> <laughs> So of course that Sunday there would be my opening angle in every every congregation I would speak in. Uh geez, talk about ministry to church. Uh, one of the strengths of the congregation that uh, we planted was its kids' ministry. We were so passionate about kids' ministry. Yes, because of all the kids in the area, but because our kids were go there. And uh, the very fact that we were leaning into the kids' ministry just brought a strength to the kids' ministry for everyone else. Yeah. I still remember thinking, that this ministry is not so strong We've got 18 months to just get that thing wet, because Eli's about to arrive. So I know I'm speaking selfishly, but it is the selfishness that really benefits everyone. Yeah. It helps you build a great kids' ministry. It helps you build a great uh, kids' ministry. And uh, when I, on a Sunday, honestly, I'm speaking to adults. I honestly don't think of the church as just adults. I've got such a sense that the church is in all the buildings yeah. here. And when sometimes on a Monday people say, so many people come to church and so, just, oh, so many people, and then I realize they just kind of the adults. I'm like, something in me is grieve. I mean, those are people too. And I'm the guy who's always trying to get the kids into the Sunday meetings. I just feel the kids need to feel connected to us and us to them. don't want them to grow up in a, set, in a compartmentalized church. A lot of research actually says that, people, that kids will dial out of church because they will feel like it was their parents' thing, Mm -hmm. unless they really felt a connection to the same spiritual leaders that their parents were connected to, Mm -hmm. and felt a real sense of connection to the familiness of the church. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a ministry to the church that comes. But there's also a ministry to the city. Uh, I would say there were several years of being in Christian ministry where I was just struggling to find great connections to non-Christians. As a surfer, I was always surfing different spots, I, and, you know. But when I had kids, oh my goodness, it became like a waterfall opportunity to build relations with people. Because so many people that I had nothing in common with. I've got so much in common with them. They've got their kid, digs my kid. Wow! I've like got a reason to hang out, and you can, you've got so much in common. And some of my more exciting opportunities in the last few years of reaching people for Christ came from that connection. And now you're not just winning an individual. You can win a whole family. Mm. You invite a whole couple to an Alpha event. Mm. And next thing they're coming. Next thing they're saved. Their kids are in the ministry. Their kids are in the ministry now. And, uh, and, and then my kids being in school suddenly started opening up opportunities into the schools. Uh, one school just around the corner from me. Next thing I'm starting to get invited to speak to, the, to the, all the school for Ascension Day everywhere. And uh, and then uh, somebody mentions Bible Week, and I go, "What do you do for Bible Week?" I said, we have it for years. We invite a couple of speakers in on Bible Week. It's like a historical thing, and in the church, in the school, but it's a secular school." And then I go to them, I say, "Would you mind if I brought in a few kids workers from various churches around, and we can run Bible Week? Just trial it one year, and if you don't like it, we won't do it again." And of course, they say, "Yes," and we. Make it magic. So we go, if we can give the kids the best week of the year, we'll be in the next year. Next thing we're doing, assemblies with the team, doing action songs. We're having teams in every class. Kids, this is the favorite thing in this happening school every year. Bible week is coming. <laughs> the a schools, to And then at Bible week, you get all these kids just being touched. You can't ask them to put up their hands. That's just pushing it too far. But, but you share the gospel. Um, and then, and then we say, hey guys, if you want more, next week we're starting a breakaway. Uh, we, you know, just, we'll come in every second, third, whatever. And next thing, 40 kids are coming, 90 kids are coming. A few months later, they finally throw out the net. This is a voluntary group coming to breakaway every week at break time. And 42 kids respond to the gospel. But it all comes from the fact that I got kids. And, and then when I get introduced to speak around the school, they speak about, they say, hey, Poon's dad. Well, he's a sweet, valley parent. Is how I'm introduced to the other parents. Now, having kids is just an, an opportunity to get to the to get to the city in so many ways, especially in suburbia, especially in suburbia. And kids bringing their friends. Um, this last year, I just noticed my kids just were nuts for collectibles. And I was like, why do why does pick and pay have to have all the good ideas? So this year we decided to we decided to create these little cards that every week they come. So we took a, a pack of playing cards, we designed it, and then we put characters of the Bible on the front. You know, the king, the queen, the jack, and the ace. And Bible verses. Every week they came for a series, they got a bunch of cards. Oh my gosh, you've seen the kids' ministry spike. You see unchurched kids <laughs> rocking up. <laughs> and it just comes from parenting. You find you find the power of pester power. So many families will arrive in your church because the kids say, Mom, Dad, can't we go to church? Mom, Dad, can't we go to church? And eventually... They come. So parenting is an amazing opportunity for our ministry to the church and to the city. Thirdly, parenting is is um let's think about parenting as our ministry to the future. To the future. Now no, I'm the biggest believer on the fact that kids that kids are the church of today. I mean I think you heard a little bit of my heart from that already. Kids or the church of today. Same size Holy Spirit packed into a little mm-hmm. four year ivy once she's regenerated. it. That's mm-hmm. me. Same size Holy Spirit. So I'm a big believer in this. But, but I, I, a few times I've got to speak to the guys who work with kids and I say, you never feel like you're the second tier thing happening on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Working with kids, and I, and I use the analogy of two candles, and I hold the short candle that's already half burnt and a full candle. That's only just started burning. I say, Now, which candle would you rather set alight? And they say, the big one. And then I show them a picture of a full grown man who's a CEO of this, you know, multinational company and a little dude, you know, mm-hmm. crying, test dancing on his face because his mom left him. Which one would you rather minister to? Ah. Can't you see the tall guy is the half-burned candle. He's only got three or four decades left. This one. Eight decades. You're ministering into someone. It's going to be eight decades of life coming off your life. And uh, so to minister to the kids is to minister to, to, to the future. And my little kids. I can't believe it. God has entrusted us with five kids to disciple. To quote, for life and for ministry. Before Julie and I fell pregnant, we felt God say, All your children will serve the Lord. Now, I'm sure there'll be seasons in their lives when they're going to go wandering. I mean, I'm not prophesying it, but just being realistic about what I know of human nature (laughs) and about the genetic bearers of these kids. (laughs) You know, from mom and dad, you know. Uh, but, But really trusting God that my kids will serve God. And, and then we felt God say, your greatest inheritance is your children. And I've spoken to a lot of people who said, you know what, they regret it. They put more energy into the church than their own children. And you know, I keep on saying, well, it's not either or. We want to minister with our kids to the church and we're trying to bring the two together. But if you ever have to choose between one, we must bend towards the five kids. These kids are our primary ministry. They're, in a sense, our only real sheep. These for the first however many years of their lives. And uh, there are arrows in our hands, like arrows in the hands of a warrior children born in one's youth. Those first few years, so critical. Like an the arrow, the, the, the archer gets to aim it, pull it, let it go. And most of our kids' lives will be lived outside of our influence. But we get to set a trajectory in their lives. We just gotta keep focused. I know we're so exhausted. <laughs> we're at our weakest. At the very time that they that actually the most critical things are happening. But we got we just gotta make sure that we're focused on what's what's happening. And to realize that our kids need more than us. Parents are so important. But the biblical worldview is one of a village raising a child. Our kids yeah. need more than us, so we're introducing them to other people. Um, I have heard the importance of, for example, sons. For ages 0 to 6, a son tends to look to their mom more than their dad for what they need. But from age 6 to 12, they start looking to the dad for what they need. By the time they're 13, they need some space from their dad, (laughs) a little bit, Uh, and and they're more inclined to look to other men. So the dad, from age 6 to 12, starts thinking, who are the other dudes that I can get connected to my child so that when they're a teenager? They've got, they're not just connected to their dad. They, there's other guys that are building into their, their lives. Building into their lives. And we, we, tell our, we say to everyone, when you meet people, introduce, say, how do the kids too. Say, so how did the kids too, And giving them a taste of ministry. Any chance I can, I like, take my kids with me to things. And they love it, especially if it's a night time. a Sunday night, like, uh-huh. going to Sunset sort of West and I'm going with Eli. And uh, just to be with Dad, and sitting in the front row listening to what I'm saying, I took Finn to when I went to go speak in the inner city the one time, and um, and I said, Finn, you know, he has has an iPad. You can play games. Um, it was my one option at the time, and uh, just you know, don't worry about. it. Just simply be quiet. And he doesn't listen. He just looks at me the whole time. Nobody's more focused and than <laughs> this little six-year-old boy at the time. Like, I feel terrible because I know I'm going to disappoint him. I mean, he's listening with such attention. But he, he really is listening. So I actually started working on that. But i got to hold this attention. But then I found to the car. And I said, Finn, hey, you listen to me amazingly. He said, Yeah, but dad, you didn't even put the hat on. So I figured out what had happened is right at the beginning of my talk, I said, Hey, guys. I'm going to do a teaching from scripture, but later on I'm going to put on a visionary hat. And then I. But you've seen it a lot. I mean, there's the danger of nepotism. I don't think any of us are really in that danger. But think about it if you're in ministry, your kid gets to grow up right in the front seats. Of you know, God working in and through the local church, they get to see spiritual dynamics, they get such a head start on kids who maybe grew up outside of ministry. Of course, God can use all people, but we instead of going, Oh, shame, my kids, they, they're PKs, oh, shame, it's gonna be harder for them. No, 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 they are super advantaged, they've got a head start on everyone else. I mean you think look at Hillsong you get these amazing Hillsong congregations all over the world led by the sons yeah, yeah. remember in Hillsong that terrible thing came out with the granddad who founded the city Hillsong turns out that he had a history of pedophilia or something and uh, Brian Houston is so distraught because he knows it, it, his sons looked at the granddad as a hero so he goes to his teenage sons he says I'm so sorry he says I, you know How's your faith in Jesus doing? And uh, the one says, I don't worry about that. I've had my own revelation of Jesus Christ. This doesn't touch my relationship with Jesus. I love that thought. That's my prayer. God, give all of my kids their own revelation of Jesus Christ. I think that's part of, and God will often give it to them outside of the parenting space. Don't go away on the youth camp or camp. I think it's, you know, so the kids, they'll look back and they'll go, it wasn't just mom and dad super influence on my life.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, God, God gets hold of their lives, and I don't know about you, but let's pray for our kids and our grandkids. Um, let's give them a taste of, of ministry. And then finally, parenting as our ministry. To our kids. <laughs> I mean, that That is just another way of saying parenting. (laughs) I mean, we are ministering to these little kids. These kids come into the world, especially when they're young. They are stuck with us. And we are the kings and the queens of the universe. And we can break them or make them. It's quite amazing. Absolutely, break them or make them. And uh, I think the fact that you came here means you've already done a lot of thinking about parenting. So I don't know how much I can say that or, like, how you about the secrets of parenting. But uh, I have latched onto four words leadership, latitude, lord, love. There's <laughs> I mean, so much more you can say about parenting. But leadership, um, parenting is leading lives. You get to lead lives. And um, you're trying to make people that are very dependent and you're trying to progressively grow them to a place of being independent. And then, not rebelliously, an isolationist way, but, but hopefully they become interdependent. Yeah. Dependent, independent, interdependent. Using their independence and locking it to other lives that are going in the same direction. We need to lead our kids. Discipline falls under the category of leadership. Setting an example falls under the category of leadership. Instructing our children, giving them wisdom. Pep talks by the millions, is all about giving them leadership. Uh, Latitude uh, is the second thing, and it counterbalances leadership because the understanding is that as they grow older, you're giving them more space to make their own decisions, and you're giving them as much freedom as they can handle. Don't give them less freedom than they can handle. Give them as much freedom as they can handle. And, uh, And which means you're parenting your kids differently at different stages of their lives and you're not imposing your thoughts and feelings onto those little children. Little, We do a lot of psychological damage, uh, either from neglecting our kids, or from from crowding out the psychological space of our kids. They are their own people. And do unto others as you'd have them do to you. I mean, Would you like to be crowded out by a, the strength of someone's presence? And parents have got a strong position. We can abuse that position by not giving kids the chance to feel their feelings and think their thoughts and have uh, their ideas. Do you know, I've got five kids and we tend to do our parenting style towards the middle. And Eli lately has lately been saying, hey guys, you just need to treat me a little different. I'm not a little kid anymore. I feel like you, you need to actually realize I'm not in the same space. And it would be great to get him to give us that feedback. Um, there's a lot to be said. I spoke to a, a, a girl who grew up in a family five in America last year, and I said, you know, she said her parents loved it a bit, so I said, what do you wish they did differently? And she says, I wish that, that our parents had given us an ability to articulate negative emotions and to let us know it was okay to have them." When you, there's such emotional chaos in the house, there's the temptation where you just shut down negative emotions, and we don't have ability to deal with anger frustration, sadness, stop that, but actually you do damage, because here I am I'm 43 and, and I'm going, last year I was going to a therapist trying to name my emotions, I'm like, actually I've known how to describe this stuff earlier <laughs> and uh, I think there's a really good emphasis at the moment on emotional intelligence and raising emotionally intelligent people, which means being aware of the emotions being able to name their emotions and then being able to regulate those emotions. Um, latitude. And, and latitude meaning don't insulate them from troubles. Um, you know, <clears throat> so much of who I am came from my troubles as a kid and as a teenager. And God is the ultimate parent. And if God uses, when God likes hardship to come into our lives to bring the best out of us. You don't think God might want to sneak some hardship into your kids' lives in the making of their lives. You hardly prepare them for their destiny in God, never mind real life, if you take every opportunity to insulate them from hardships. And then, and then give them the Lord. Give them the Lord. And there's tons of ideas about how to disciple kids. Uh, but I think a lot of it is just living your Christianity outwardly, so your kids just know they can see what Christianity looks like. I pray aloud. I, you know, read my Bible in front of them. And, uh, in my house, which really, really worked well is like an, a, every day, uh, Monday to Friday at least, we, we do a Bible verse. And I, and, uh, and, uh, breakfast, we have a smoothie. And just before we have the smoothie, I tell them a, a Bible verse. And then I make them, we all say it aloud and we try to memorize the Bible verse. So uh, you might go, that's just weird. I mean, isn't that indoctrination? Absolutely! I want to basically have my kids. We stick Bible in them! With them. You know, when they're, when they're teenagers out there, God's the spirit got something to pull on. And, uh, and here's the thing, they love it. It's cool to have Bible verse. And, and uh, the kids really dig it. In fact, Finn was funny two nights ago. He says, Dad, I found this book. It's this old kid's book, 26 verses for children. He says, I've memorized 10 of it. He says, what would you give me if I memorize all of it? I said, I'll give you a waffle with any ice cream that you want. So and I said, what ice cream are you going to have? He says, Dad, I'm going to have to think about it. He'll <laughs> <laughs> have his 26 verses and he'll have his, have his ice cream. And then getting them to pray, um, they just go, walks in Seaport and we each take five shells and we sit on the edge of the rock and I say, okay guys, actually I've down three shells. One thing to praise God for, one thing to ask God for, whatever. And they each pray to pray. And it's amazing, over time, you, and you coach them in prayer. Prayer is talking with God. And first they mess around or they just imitate your prayer. But you get them to own their own prayers. You give them you give them the Lord. And of course we pray all the time. God let it take. Come Holy Spirit make your, make yourself real to these kids. Yeah. And it's amazing how you see their little relationships come about. Um, with their relationships with God. And then finally give them love. Give them love. I mean that's the big one. You just heard about it. And Julie was meant to be here, uh, and she flew back, uh, made a mistake about the air, the airtime, basically. So I actually filmed Julie, and we were going to show this little video clip, and uh, what she wanted to say now. now. I've got to memorize it, so you might if I tell you what she would have said? <laughs> this is Karen. I mean, I can even prove it to you. I'm not making this stuff up.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> just want to show you. Look,
0: how you go. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I was just telling him all the things I wanted
0: him to tell me. Okay, you can't hear it at the back. But she's saying, I was great. just telling him all the things I wanted to tell you. So I it. She says, Karen, tell them about the importance of connection. She says, what's the secret of, of the Christian life? It's the secret to parenting. She says, she says we make a mistake in, in the Christian life when we think about God giving us a baton. When we put baton over branch. You imagine God saying, yeah, this is what I want you to do. Go do it. And she says, the Christian life is about being a branch. Jesus is the vine, we're the branch. Staying connected to him. And when we especially, parenting is about being the vine and our kids being the branch. Obviously, it comes a point where they are going to unhook from us. But, but the best gift we can give our kids is the sense of connection. And she says, what is connection? It's that sense of heart's touching. She says, the same way that we can have a relationship with God. We're so busy doing stuff that we get to have that heartfelt connection with God. all about your relationships. You go through a week and not really connect with people. You can be parenting in such a way, feeding them, you're getting them ready, you're giving them medicine, you're giving them pep talks, disciplining them, and outing them, but you're, you're not connecting with them. She says the most important thing our children need is that sense of connection. <coughs> that sense of connection. And she says that each kid needs something different. She says she connects with Eli through sitting back-to-back back and talking deep. Eli loves talking about deep things, talking about feelings, have, sharing his ideas. You just need time with that guy just, to, just to, 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 to talk about deep things. Phil, on the other hand, is the guy that wants to do something new, exciting, something no one else in the family has done, so you want to hang out with him in that way. Um, Ivy, the only girl in our family, loves to, loves to go for a cup of coffee. And you buy a little accessory, get a chocolate. You know, she's so boyish in other ways, I mean, four brothers, she's still got this girlish need and you connect with her like that. The twins we haven't figured out yet, we're just a bit dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we'll get there. And here's the thing, if you don't, if you learn to realize the lack of connection by their bad behavior, very often they will act badly precisely as a symptom of their feeling of disconnect to you. There are other reasons, but that would be the big one. So Eli is weird. He, he retreats and he starts going, don't mind me, don't mind me, and he gets all weird and he starts saying, stop sulking, and it, but actually it's a sign of disconnect. Finn, on the other hand, will use all of his influence energy and he'll whip up the house into destructive excitement and madness. Um, Ivy will start speaking nastily to him, and actually Julie says often she'll be frustrated and she'll speak a bit too harshly to Ivy, and Ivy will say, I think you suck it bad, mom. Like, you know, and and then you've actually got to make up with these kids. and You've got to reconnect. And you've got to find a way of coming close to them. And she just said, please, guys, your best gift to your children is that sense of connection. because Love is connection. Don't just treat them like battles. See yourself as a vine and them being a branch. So, yeah. so, parenting and ministry, um, can I encourage us to just get into groups of three or four now? and to discuss uh, three questions. The first one is, what was most helpful to you that you heard now? The second one is, what are your ca- challenges as a parent or a grandparent or you know whatever your field is in 30? What are you trusting God for in this space? What are you trusting God for? I'll write them down. But If you could just put mind doing that, I'll like get into groups of three or four. And then, and then maybe you even want to just pray short prayers at the end. as you each share what you're trusting God for. And wouldn't it be cool if God hears our prayers in such a way... That he works in kids directly into their hearts. You know, that are not our hands on their lives as much as God's hands on their lives. Okay? Great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But, can to I'm yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just ask? i i to about Sorry about that,
2: I just skipped
0: something in my brain.
2: The standard disclaimer, leave my kids out of this, don't judge them, or do I. Um, and the reason that I'm speaking to you about teenagers is just because I've probably got the most of anyone in this room, although technically I only have three, the fourth who's just behind the three proper teenagers um, is so much the oldest than the proper teen. So the real reason I'm being asked is actually my first point, to help you um, parent well, and teens well, and that's marry well. So sorry if it's too late, no, advice, but i married brilliantly. And so that's my main bit of advice um, to you. But um, just keep that at the center, your marriage. Um, I think my main point is what Julie was saying. You're actually a model of parenthood um, as a model of how kids are going to be connecting to the father. So the way that you relate to them is so important. You need to show them more grace. You need to be kinder to them. I remember Joe once saying to me, I've heard that you're very kind to other people. You think we could have some of that too. Yes. <laughs> they need to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life more than anyone else needs to so That You owe more to your family than to your congregants or the people that you make a real effort with on a day-to-day basis. So you need to show them that you delight in them that you're fascinated by them through the seasons of life because that models the fact that, hey, God is delighted in me. You're always delighted in your kids. So they'll go through ups and downs with behavior or other issues or something like that that doesn't lessen your fascination with them. And that's actually a model um, for them. And part of the way of doing that is just reminding yourself that at the end of the day, they actually belong to God. As they become teens, that becomes more obvious because you see them moving away, and that sometimes that's hard. But it is appropriate, and it's a good reminder to us that hey, they never really belong to us. but we are here to steward them and to show them an example of what a oh godly thing could do. Um, another one is celebrate what you really want to come out of it. So I think mean, in this day and age, um, in some cultures, we're sort of focused on academics. Like. When some people meet with the kids, they just want to hear, you know, how you've done, and things like that. And what we do is celebrate lifelong learning in Christ because that's what we want to see. So when we see lessons learned or behaviors or new character. Growing or something, we celebrate that more than we celebrate, you know, a great mark at school or so something. Do kids struggle academically? Yeah, they struggle. kids in school. Also, like, don't um take on the PK role and feel sorry for yourself. Do you hear that prophetic word today? We're not victims. We're actually in a gloriously gracious position so you can choose to say like hey the hardships that we have to work through the muck of church life and stuff like that i feel sorry for myself and then come home and vomit on your family (laughs) or you can say hey we can learn from this like um you know without divulging confidentiality you can actually say you know there's this kind of principle this happened and this is the fruit of that decision and so how amazing would it be if our kids could actually learn stuff and um, learn from others' pain and mistakes. So we work through our own mistakes together, we own our mistakes, we work through their mistakes together, but it's actually, um, God's given us a unique spirit <coughs> because we deal with so many other people's mistakes that we can actually um, use those together. Um, most of these are Joe's points. She responds very quickly. <laughs> you might have mistaken <laughs> me for Joe when you asked me to speak. Um, where a sense of humour is super important. So often we'll sure. say to our kids when we've gone through a hard thing that you know one day when you're sitting on the therapist's couch, you're going to be remembering this day, and that sort of brings a lightness to a situation that might otherwise be too hard. Um, sadly, if they shop, sharp, they'll. Um, use any biblical ammunition that you've given them against you. <laughs> so, um, like teaching them Bible verses. It's <laughs> a double-edged sword if you just warn <laughs> <laughs> Teenagers are amazing consistency-checking machines. Yep. Yep. And yep. Um, if you want to use them in your church, if you want to know who the great leaders are, don't you go fishing like us for teens who like, really connect with them and stuff like that. But in your own life, like sanctification 101, they are sanctification 505. They, eh? <laughs> like every nook and cranny, they probe and crack and check and stuff. So live transparently with them. Don't kind of pretend that teenagers can, like, see through pretense and falsehood quicker than we can because they sometimes are so, um, unidimensional in fact one of our jobs is to teach them to actually be more gracious and have more latitude. but let's use the joy of that penetrating insight that they have um to disciple them and us i think um i think karen touched on this or julie touched on this that they are your priority discipleship thing. so i sit with people and i say okay let's discuss why we value emotions how emotions can help us Things. but do I take the time to do that with my kids as well so they are your priority disciples teach them the tools that you're teaching other people as a team it's also really cool if you can have a culture where it's okay to look after your kids so there's no judgement if you go and watch your kids um, hockey match or you bring your kids on a thing That as a team um, we want to learn um, to look for ways where we can actually include them and where they can have fun wearing vampire things at the airport or something like that. Um, There are other things. Um, Go pick up your priorities. So it's actually really cool to ask them, hey, what do you think our current priorities are in life? Because sometimes it can be a brilliant tool for God working in you. And it also helps um, give them a frame of reference. It's super important that you have faith goals for yourself and that they can see that. And then the, the kids are growing with you in having things that are outside of themselves, that are bigger than them, that they want to grow. And um, I think um, how you live in the church must be the same as how you live at home. So it's yeah. like it's a real uh, treat them as God's grace to you, like um, really um, a responsibility thing. And then um, for us, it's interesting that Terran asked me to speak about teenagers because I don't believe in teenagers. Um, I come from a Jewish background and there's no such thing as a teenager. So when you turn 13, you're into the age of responsibility and you're treated, you're given tons of responsibility. Um, but you're not just given responsibility in a negative way. You are empowered with it and you're treated responsibly as well. So you're treated really well. And so if you're how, how old is them? Uh, Eli's not Eli, Eli sorry. So, so Eli's already asking to be treated differently how much more uh, 13 or 15 year old or something like that they honestly they can be treated they can' yeah. be given real responsibility and if you don't give them real responsibility where they can make mistakes and stuff they soon pick up that actually you know it's just a joke and they'll continue living in Dependence on you. So, one of the ministry's goals is to like actually give them ministry responsibility as well and see them grow before you. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. ministry responsibilities in the church or in the home? In the home. Yeah, I mean, in the church, to the extent that that's possible for you. Um, I mean, uh, there has been in my kids' growth, you know, we've asked our boys, like the oldest one, say to him, what have been the most helpful growing things for you as a Christian in front of the other kids? And then he said, like, you know, going on this mission trip, and then that that highlights this value to the other things, or working with kids or something. So then it highlights the value of taking responsibility for them. And my final one um, is actually that as Christians, as we mature, I think we need to give ourselves grace that a sign of biblical maturity is joy. So, so, we're dealing with so much heavy stuff. I mean, who wants to be discussing marital infidelity and sin and stuff all the time? And so, you have to make sure that your joy is being fed continuously as a couple, as a family, just as an individual in Christ and that your, your kids see that, especially teenagers. <clears throat> this is a time at which they see the injustices of the world incredibly clearly, and um, they feel responsibility, and that can weigh really heavily upon them. So it's, it's one of our jobs to show them that maturity, increasing maturity, is actually leading to increasing joy. Thank you. you go to this but this was the real
0: surprise. <laughs> yes. uh, Do you want to
1: add something? Yeah, just... Uh... One thing in terms of triggered when Steve just shared around the team, and that is, um, you know, we don't think maturity runs in the genes, and that there needs uh, if there's an ethos in terms of the leadership team that actually we all want to parent these kids that they come to maturity, and that we don't mind immaturity, we actually embrace it. and to see them flourish because if you get into the idea in leadership like your kids need to be little mini-me's, they need to be perfect, it is absolutely suffocating for Mm -hmm. them, they just can't be normal and we don't put that on anybody else. And kind of undergirding that is this idea that good parenting equals good kids, which isn't true and if you ever leave that, you will not only damage your kids but I think you'll damage yourself. So if your kid's are good, you think it's because you're great. And you have a contribution, but it's not a defined contribution. Mm -hmm. And if you've been around Paul's story enough, you know, there are kids that are completely on fire and their Mm -hmm. parents are cooked. And there are others that are like fantastic parents and their kids are rebellious. So if you're living with that equation, um, I think it becomes super destructive and, and, and really applying, what does the gospel tell us? We embrace immaturity. Mm. Jesus leaves the 99 and goes off to the one. Mm. The father runs mm. when he sees the prodigal son on the horizon. <laughs> that gospel mm. ethos to actually yeah. cause us to become the people yeah. we always meant it be needs to really provide yeah. who we
0: are. Right. And uh, very often, the kid who's playing out will be the kid who actually fared better as an adult because they get more time and attention and hands on from parents. Yeah. It's the kid who's seem doing everything right. Perhaps out of like illegitimate, idolatrous identity. Actually gonna, think it's actually going to, going to go pear-shaped. I've got a friend, twins. One twin was just as bad as they get in terms of rebellious teammates. Other twin just did everything right. And one put all of her energy into trying to save the rebellious one. Another one just, you know, this is my kid with no problems. By the time they're 25, this kid's on drugs and the, the rebellious mm-hmm. kid is just flying in life, mm-hmm. and uh, whether they respond, whether they're behaving well or bad, you just keep your hands on you. have yep. put in the uh-huh. time and the hours and the energy into these yep. kids because okay. mm-hmm. all of that
1: love mm-hmm. is sowing mis- sewing But the teenagers they mm-hmm. suss out if it's acceptance because of
0: performance. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and if that's what it is, this yeah, is yeah. no different to anything else. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. just you're rewarding my performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the gospel's different. The gospel is I love you even doing badly, and yeah. we hear here for you. Yes, right. And-